Hello, awesome marketer. Let me ask you a question before we start today's episode. Are you looking to plan your content calendar more efficiently, save time across your team, and publish social content like a pro? If so, you're in luck, because Planable allows you to do this and much more. Planable is the content collaboration tool that makes it easy for marketing teams to preview, plan, approve, and publish social media content six times faster for Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, Google My Business, and TikTok, all in one place. So go to planable.io slash old school to find out more. Our podcast listeners will get 30% off for three months by using the coupon code old school after choosing the plan that fits your needs. Once again, go to www.planable.io slash old school and get 30% off for three months by using the coupon old school at checkout. I cannot wait to see you breezing through your content and your plan like a pro. Welcome to Alt Marketing School. We are proudly bringing together a new wave of marketers, just like yourself. We want to provide you with the skills to speak to your audience perfectly, empower clients with winning strategies to market their brands, champion their values, and make a positive impact in the online world. My name is Fab, and I'm your host. May the class begin. Becca. Hello. Hi. Hi. How is Vera? <laughs> Vera's great. She's living her best life. Um, for any listeners, she's nice and green at the moment. Every now and then, she has a leaf that goes a little bit crunchy, and then I panic and think I'm a bad plant mum. But at the moment, things are going well for Vera. She's all green and lovely. <laughs> Did you get a goggly eyes in the end? I know that that was part of a potential upgrade for all of them. I haven't yet. However, it is still on my to-do list. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna have to do it because now it, the idea is in my head. I'm like, I need, I need to witness it. I need to live that reality and have all of my plants have googly eyes because I just think it all. It's good for well-being. You know, that's how I feel. Like, it'll make me happy. And that's why we're very similar. I was literally having this conversation, well, not this conversation with the goggly eyes, I mean, if I thought about it myself. I think what I would do if that was the case for goggly, googly eyes, I would probably put them all around the house in random inanimate objects and then wait for the husband to walk about and just be like, what's going on on that bottle? And that is a little googly eyes. This is the level that I'm at. So Becca is probably still a bit better than me. But I was having a conversation with, with my husband uh, last night and I, and I said, yeah, yeah, we're having okay, a couple of little surprises and things for the students. So any student listening from what marketing school, hi, I'm not going to share anything else for it. And he was like, it's very you, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, because it's like you, normal people usually think like, okay, I'm going to do this and that's it. And I'm like, how can I do more? How can I do weird things? Let's add some weird stuff. And I think, you know, it kind of really tells that, you know, kindred spirits will find each other talking about googling eyes and, and little plants. And like we have, um, talking about plants to finish off this riveting <clears throat> starting tangent, uh, we have a new plant called Penelope. And this is the cohort plant. So cohort one of all marketing school, the students named it 
a couple of names that were a bit questionable and then eventually we stuck on Penelope. So I introduced her again to everyone and the students were like, oh, fab. Um, but now we have Penelope cohort one plant. And I said again to the husband who bought it for me, you know that this means we're going to have literally a plant per cohort. So my house might become a jungle by like, let's say in five years time, full of plants from different cohorts of all marketing school. So welcome everyone and happy Monday. <laughs> this is where we're at today, which is excellent. Now, showing, showing my lack of interest for random trends as in sometimes I'm really into something sometimes I just not I'm not into <clears throat> let me pronounce it right wordle or however you pronounce it so Becca's gonna tell me now what the hell is it because everybody knows about it and I think some people don't and they're too afraid to ask what the hell is wordle oh so you're completely right I think wordle is one of those unique things which appeared or started to build their momentum and become a trend by these mysterious square emojis appearing all over people's Twitter feed. And like the first few were like, what, what's that? Why are they posting those, those squares? What does this mean? And then this kind of piqued curiosity, got some intrigue going and the, you know, the trend was born basically. So what Wordle is, for any people out there who like word games, you probably love Wordle. It's a game where once a day, you can only do it once a day, there's like a word each day. So you can't, I think the idea is, um, and I can't remember the, the name of the person that's created it, unfortunately, but it was like, you can have one word puzzle, but you can't have more than one to basically ensure that you don't get bored of it, which is quite genius actually. But essentially you're given five spaces, like five letter spaces, and you have to guess what word that is. And when you put in your first guess, if it's like a green tile, then you know that that letter is correct and it's in the right place. Yellow is you've got the right letter, but it's in the wrong place. And the like grayed out tile is, nah, -uh, this is, you, you've guessed wrong. And then the kind of pattern of squares that you will have seen on Twitter is people's attempts as they've worked their way down to hopefully actually guessing the correct word. So that's that's what Wordle is. And it's it's really it's quite fun. I've played it a couple of times. I've had to I've I'm not gonna lie, I've been like, I don't wanna get addicted to this. I know you can only do one a day, but I was like, chill Becca you will get addicted to this but it's pretty fun it's pretty it's pretty good as word games go i love i mean i do love word games and it kind of reminds me of a mix between hangman and battleship so i kind of dig that but you know the reason why i was asking aside from again um any any dear listener was like thank you fab and becca for eventually explaining this to me because i nobody i didn't want to ask anybody because it's almost like if you ask somebody that's been playing for a while then you feel like oh they will know that i have no idea and a lot of people still have no idea. So I think hopefully we gave some clarity to people. But also what's fascinating and something that Beck and I talked about in the past and something that we also cover in the All Marketing School certification, both myself actually and you, Becca, because we talk about both social media unsurprisingly, is the tie between pop culture and timely trends and social, which again, shouldn't be too surprising because 
there is a place for evergreen content, which is something actually that um, our teacher Hannah talks about as well in the certification and understanding systems for that. But then social, I find, you could argue, is probably one of the best places to tap into pop culture and trending trending trends and, and ideas and phenomenon. Obviously, a podcast is interesting because our podcast, the majority of it is going against this tide of evergreen content because we talk about what's coming up the week. But that's obviously a different type of, of proposition that we have. And the reason why I love this is because on social, I was looking at, and it's going to be in the newsletter, so obviously, allmarketingschool.com slash news if you want to get the newsletter. I'll show you some examples as well, visual, because it's hard to like to explain of brands using Wordle and spilling it on its head. My favorite one probably was Lego. I'll read out what the tweet said. I can't stop imagining Wordle tiles as Lego bricks. It's very simple and it's cute and it's funny. There was another one that I shared in the past that I'm going to see if I can find again, which was when Megan Fox's now fiance asked her to marry her. And he, this guy was wearing like um, a striped, like vertical striped black and white uh, shirt. And it's really clever. You can see the social media manager from Foot Locker retweeted that because somebody tweeted and said, oh, ha ha ha, it looks like he works at Foot Locker. And what they said, this, the social team said, yeah, we gave him a day off for that one. It was a very simple tweet. And I think it was actually really clever. And again, then he kind of built momentum, momentum, momentum. And it shows that, there is an element of social media that is really like, can you tap on this thing real quick and make it yours? And I know that you also know a lot about this and we talked about this a lot. And I think Twitter is an excellent place. It's not the only one anymore. Think about red flag, flags that appeared at the end of 2021. But I think this was a great example of a reminder of how to tap into a trend and how to make it yours and organically do that. And I know that even you back have a lot to say about it and it's something that you see a lot and we both kind of really think is very powerful as well for both organic and paid content I think. It is completely I think it is always worth bringing attention to like I think we can get very caught up in planning content okay we need to have a good like a, you know a few weeks or a month or even sometimes longer if you're super organized of content planned out you need to have a good strategy and I live by that and it's so important but I think that as marketers, you know, as an industry, it's really important to make sure that you're spending some time just looking at what's out there, what trends are happening, what's, you know, especially on each platform as well, like making sure, like I often feel like Twitter is an example of somewhere that you might not necessarily be posting content yourself, whether it's on behalf of a brand or actually yourself, but it's still a good place to monitor for these trends to come up and then you can maybe adapt that or spin that on Instagram or TikTok or even LinkedIn. So I think it's just a good practice to make sure that you are looking out for these trends because you can plan, you know, you can plan, but you're never going to come up with these things like this. You've got to have your eye on the ball. Is that what they're saying? Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> because you've got to be timely. That's the other thing. When one of these comes up, you've got to pounce on it. Otherwise, it'll it'll be and gone. And you don't want to be one of the... The worst thing is, especially in terms of like brand accounts, is when you see them make their own kind of uh, version of a meme or something based on a trend. And it's like three weeks later and everybody is sat there scrolling like, 
why are you doing this now? This has been and gone. And it's kind of going to make the brand look a bit not great. So yeah, it's very, very important. I love that you mentioned that. And I'm actually scrolling through our work Twitter feed because I wanted to piggyback on that and kind of take into a slightly different direction. Uh, because you mentioned something that is really important. And I saw this, um, this tweet that I retweeted as a marketing school. Um, and we were going to share potentially on Instagram because I think it's really important. And based on what you said, I think there's an excellent reminder of everything you said is super valid when it comes to creating the strategy and then understanding how to, as you say, like monitor the ecosystem and jump on things. But then this is from uh, Nicole Tabak. So is uh, Nicole Tabak, um, the handle on Twitter. And I'm going to read it. It's not too long, but I think it's, it goes back to what we have to do sometimes as marketing managers. And it says, Something we don't really talk about is the mental effort it takes to work in social and not constantly get distracted by trends and feeds. Social networks are literally designed to grab attention, yet being a social media manager is trying to turn that into a productive day of work. And I think, you know, it goes really validly with what you said, but I think this is working together with it is a great reminder that because of that, when you are wanting to invest your time in social media, which I think is even harder when you're not working for somebody else, when you know you don't work in an agency like Becca when thankfully or not thankfully all of your all of your time is spent there or in one variation of of these feeds but especially when you say you want to do it for yourself because you are a consultant because it's your business it's really hard because it is true like social media managers can spend literally the whole day trying to do that and then you know you're trying to do it on top of everything else is really can be really harmful or it can be really hard even more so, though, if you are, and I want to hear your opinion because that's your job. And I think that not for everyone, but especially if you're not in an agency perspective and you're more like employed or you're working for a brand, not, sadly, not all managers and bosses still realize that that time that you're spending scrolling and checking and monitoring and trying is actually the productive day at work. It's like, how do you quantify that? And um, we talk about a lot about social media marketing and marketing and ROI, because I think it's a very important conversation to be had is that, you know, people want to tie it with really hard return on the investment. And sometimes it's hard because there's a lot more than that. This is my little rant and this tweet got me into the rant, but I think it ties in with the importance of still checking trends, you know, being on top of things, but also remembering that it's hard work. And I think sometimes it's underestimated or not really understood as much. So I want to hear your opinion from somebody who works in an agency and also maybe working with clients you can find that as well absolutely it's so important and i think it's a, an ever going or an ever an ongoing words an ongoing balance and act to make sure that you are consuming enough content to make sure that you're keeping up with the trends and that you feel equipped with everything you need to know to make that adaptive content if you need to um but also maintaining a good boundary essentially between okay if i'm if I've spent all day on social media, do I want to spend any on it in the evening? Or is there a way that I can make that time feel different? Because you're completely right. Um, I think now we're at a point where most people and most agencies understand that monitoring is such a vital part of the day. So you're not going to get, it's not like say 10 years ago, if you're a social media manager and you've got your phone out in the office, they'd be like, what are you doing on your phone? It's like, why are you on Twitter? Like, because that's the job. Luckily, I've not had experiences like that, but I do know people who have struggled with that. But 
I also think from a brand perspective, sometimes one of the biggest pain points is the time element and allowing for that time. So sometimes I'll speak to teams and they're like, oh, well, we've got content to post and we've planned it, but we don't have any time to sit there and respond to people's comments, especially like, for example, if Twitter, let's use that as a, as a platform in this scenario. If you use Twitter as more of a customer service tool where people are using that to communicate with the brand, ask questions, you need somebody there to answer those. Otherwise, it's just going to reflect badly on the company. And so often that's missed off and people are like, oh, well, we just don't have time to reply. And it's like, well, maybe you shouldn't have that that um, account then. Seriously, like it sounds quite drastic, but I think if you're going to put yourself out there where people might ask you questions and respond to you, you need to make sure that there's time allowed for monitoring those conversations as well as those trends. And I think we're getting there, but unfortunately a lot of um, people in the social media industry are still up against it in terms of the time or the lack of time they're expected to spend on it. And thank you for giving us your perspective because I, again, as you said, I think it's just the element of setting expectations and communication and understanding. And I also want to say, just to kind of close off on this little seg segment, hello and welcome to segments. Um, like we should have little hats for segments, but we're going to bring back the hats. Don't worry. I have one probably to wear today because I've got strong words for Mark again. But before we get to that, uh, I just wanted to say that one of the challenges that I mentioned a few times on the podcast, for me, for example, and I think also a bit for Becca, but definitely for me, creating a lesson about social media, it's hard because as, as Becca mentioned, I was like, well, things are changing so fast and there are practices that you can follow. And is it worth teaching people and supporting people in a certification with the practices or with the trends? People love the idea of finding hacks and little things that can, let's say, boost your following or boost your engagement. But because, as probably you've learned from listening to this podcast, dear listener, things change a lot and they change quick, then, you know, actually going back to frameworks and finding ways to be more efficient and effective and create systems for yourself is more powerful. But it is hard because social media by itself is very much uh, driven by how the landscape changes, how the trends change, and now Twitter decides to add a new feature or Facebook slash Meta decides to rebrand and change their whole strategy. It's so much tied into it. And I'll put my hand on her, on my heart and say that without actually having the podcast, I think I would have been left behind a bit because I noticed that when I didn't spend at least once a week looking at what's happening and talking <clears throat> about it with Becca, even I, as somebody who's been doing this for 13 years, you know, it's really easy to lose, to lose touch because you look at it not as analytically, you don't spend the time to actually kind of speculate. And actually speculation is a bit of a double-edged sword, but it's got power within that because Beck and I ask ourselves, why do we think is that? And I don't know, you know, it, it's, I think it's, we don't realize how much energy we're spending even just doing that. And then being scientists and be like, let's try this thing and see what happens and just throw it somewhere and see if it sticks. And I think there's a lot of a lot of power in that. Before I jump on one quick extra thing that happened on Twitter, am I making sense, Becca? Because I feel today I have the ranty hat on and I'm just going for it. <laughs> You're all good. You're all good. <laughs> Told you, got strong words for Mark today. That's probably fueling me. But before we get to that, so yeah, I keep teasing it. But before I get to that, I just want to say I got also 
not strong feeling, but I have conflicting feelings around Twitter and a new long form article post option in the app. I'm feeling good, I'm feeling bad, I'm not sure. I kind of want to ask you also how you feel, and I'll tell you why. Because I, I obviously I follow Becca everywhere, and um, I know that even I have tried and I've used a similar version of this on LinkedIn. You know, LinkedIn a lot about posts, but you can also do articles, and I've done some and I've tried some. Nothing wrong with that. And similarly, you know, I've, I've, I've I have conflicting feelings about that too. Again, it's almost like. When we talked about TikTok, I like the fact that TikTok is short form videos or maybe longer form if you're alive and that's about it. I like when it stays that way. When they start adding too much stuff, I'm kind of like, is it needed? And this is where I'm, I'm like, yeah, LinkedIn articles are good, but is it really needed? And I'm kind of going with the same proposition when it comes to Twitter long form articles. I see where we're going, but I'm like, we are also pushing the newsletter, which I think is a form of long form. Is it really needed? Is it trying to tap into the fact that people are using threads? But isn't it actually that maybe we should just keep threads as something? I don't know. I want to I wanna see what you think because I, I should be excited about it. But I'm like, why is everything turning into a blog now? Why all the platforms that have written content are turning into blogs? Is it really needed? I kind of like my website and I think there's something to be said about not almost not forgetting of the power of your own home website has SEO I'm just going to put it there no yeah it's a really good point and it's definitely something I thought about as well I when I heard this update I was a little bit sad because I was like oh no Twitter why why have you done this we all know Twitter is the the home of short form content primarily and I think threads are a really great example of an in-between piece of content they allow you to keep it short, keep it snappy, but share, you know, everything collated into one neat, tidy package. And it's it's great. And we've seen that it works because of the levels of engagement that threads get. And I really like that part of the platform. And when I see threads, although they are very frequent now on the platform, there are still, there, you know, there are a lot of good ones out there. Um, and so I will make an effort to read them. With this new long form article option, I'm not sure that Twitter is the right place for that. And as you say, like there are already alternatives out there, either a LinkedIn article or an article on your own blog, on your website. And I'm just wondering like, what's Twitter's end goal here? Because I feel like we all know now in terms of where your audience are, you kind of want to own your audience. You don't want to rely on how many Twitter followers you have or how many LinkedIn connections or how many Instagram followers, whatever. We've all sort of got our head around the fact that ultimately we want people to get to the website or to our newsletter hosted, you know, wherever we prefer. So this seems like a strange move. It seems to me a little bit like, oh, other platforms are doing it, so we'll jump on it. Cool. But I wonder if maybe there's a some kind of content mix here so maybe you could have one article on twitter and then it's like right to read more head to my website i'm not sure yet but i for me it's it's like this change or this update especially i'm really struggling to see the difference between like if a a brand came to me for example i wouldn't know whether to suggest this or linkedin articles because 
I don't they're not they're not unique enough to the platforms you know to make a, a good choice at this stage anyway so we'll see but I'm like Twitter what, what are you doing what are you doing no, nobody asked for this <laughs> like <laughs> that's when they're like okay let and I understand let's put it out there see how it goes and we're gonna if we're gonna keep it or not fine I get that this is how things work and that's again the experimentation scientist mindset that we have but I agree with you and I'm almost going to double it down now and Jesus, this, 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 this like raging hat is, this should, ranty hat should be a thing now. We have the speculation, the prediction. I'm going to put the ranty hat on because today I'm on fire. Maybe it's the second coffee. I don't know. But there's another thing that to me then without realizing my Meninja, like the user intent, which we talk about a lot and is a big part of the certification. That's why I always bring it up because Beck and I are big believers in the user intent. I'm not saying that we should always ask our audience to get out of the social platform to get somewhere else. But I appreciate that every social platform is now encouraging you not to do that. And it even um, penalizes you a touch if you do that. Like, you know, don't put LinkedIn, uh, sorry, don't put links on your LinkedIn, um, on your LinkedIn, well, what's it called? Post itself, put it in the comment. These days is a big thing, you know. If you do tweets with just a link a lot of the time, they, they're not as effective. I understand that. I get that. But part of me is also like, if we completely remove that because everything is in the platforms, obviously it's beneficial for the platform, which is good for them. But I don't think it's as good for us because, you know, for lack of a better analogy or a better explanation around this, we need to educate our audience to also be wanting to connect with us on a deeper level. You know, from public to building private. That's what we call it, like, you know, that community experience. And it's really hard if we just rely too much on social. Not to be said that the platform shouldn't push that because I understand why they do that. They want us to stay there. But I think us as marketers and brands and whatever we are, we should bear this in mind a bit. And again, it's just remember that the platforms are not going to push us to get people out of them. We need to be mindful that if we don't remind them that there's content on our websites, that there are podcasts that we do or YouTube videos, wherever you want to direct people. And the platforms are going to try more and more to stop us from doing that. That's their job. Understand that. But that's how I saw this update. And this is how I saw things like, you know, the LinkedIn newsletters. And I don't mind them, but I'm like, it's great to create the ecosystem that all rolls around social networks. But as you said, Instagram... Twitter, LinkedIn shuts down. You know, I am a realist. I've been, I've been a blogger since 2012. So way before I was, you know, way before I was fully on social media, I worked on them at the same time. And I always understood the power of nurturing my audience that way as well. Rant over, but I wanted to mention it because um, again, this is where I see things going. And I think it's important we remember that for ourselves. Now into like a conspiracy theory hat a massive prediction hat this has got everything mark and now i'm coming for you <laughs> no okay let me explain let me wait let me explain no i understand that there have been obviously big shifts and i think for the first time ever becca can back me up on this because i read about this last week so my brain is a bit rusty i know that for the first time ever i think it was facebook specific stock plunged but correct me if i'm wrong I think no. I think you're right. And I don't think it was Meta's like full. I think it was mainly Facebook that actually had a bit of a wobble as the as the yeah. product. But we know the the things are now also publicly clearly not 
necessarily going the way we want to. So the reason why I'm a bit like prediction hat slash frustrated at the same time is because obviously now it's like, okay, what do we need to do then? I have a great idea. This is what this article that, we're, that we were looking at and reading says. A great idea. Let's focus on reels, which to me reads like, oh yeah, let's turn on, let's turn onto TikTok again. Let's let's morph into TikTok. And I'm like, I get it, but is this really the solution to this? So when I was reading it, I was like, oh, not again, not again. And we know that's where the platform is going. I understand that video content. But now I'm seeing almost like, how can we make our content even more visible by using video in a sneaky way? And I don't like where things are going, like some of the hacks that I'm seeing on um, suggested, just kind of ways to get more reach, but just kind of pretending to have videos that are not videos. I don't know. I'm feeling a bit, I'm, I'm feeling a bit confused about this. And I understand why it's happening because it's like, how can we salvage this when places like TikTok are literally taking over? But I don't know. From a marketer and even a user perspective, it's hard to keep up these days. It's really hard to keep up. And I think people are getting a bit like, like, what am I supposed to do? This is why I'm a bit enraged. This is why I'm a bit like, come on, guys, just, 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 just let's get it straight. But I have strong feelings. I don't know, Becca, maybe is a bit more level-headed than me today about this. Um, well, I'm going to put on a hat, and I'm not sure what hat this is yet. But I have, I have strong feelings about Facebook and the direction that things are going in and Instagram reels and everything. And at the moment, um, it's, it's, it's very mixed. So it is really hard to keep up with. And I feel like it's very hard if somebody asks you like, well, where should I prioritize my efforts over the next six months in terms of Instagram? That's such a hard question to answer because it's like, we don't know. And I'm pretty sure that Instagram doesn't know either. The other thing is that with all of this attention on reels, I like it in some ways because recently I've been playing around with Instagram stories a lot more and was literally like, oh, I'm going to have to save all of these so I can repurpose them into a reel. And now there's talks of that feature actually being built into the app, which is very exciting. And that kind of update to Instagram reels, I think is a good example. That's like, here's something that makes sense. You're utilizing something which is, you know, one of Instagram's more unique features and you're making it better and tying it into reels. Like, sure, I love that kind of update. But when we see um, it, Instagram as a whole and Facebook just trying to morph into TikTok and lose any kind of, yeah, unique aspect really that they had, that's what I makes me go, nah, I don't like this so much. And also something that I've heard people talking about a lot on Twitter in the last few weeks is the lack of support that you have on Facebook or through Instagram, if anything goes wrong, it's so hard to get hold of somebody to help you on Facebook's end. And I wonder if this is a the beginning of maybe internally Facebook, Instagram's focus, not worrying so much about that, but worrying more about meta and the metaverse. And is that where their focus is gonna be? Because I, I suspect it might be, you know, they're going to have this one big last push at making Instagram into a decent competitor for TikTok. 
but otherwise if if that doesn't work i think and even if it does work i think they're like well meta the metaverse is where it's at now from their perspective um don't get me started on the metaverse i i'm i'm done it's not even begun <laughs> okay i'm gonna put a ping on that and then we'll go back to to probably the metaverse i'm still trying to get to get somebody to have a conversation around kind of like giving us a bit more of a level-headed or maybe kind of more insights on it because as I said like a bit like NFTs we can give you the the beginner stage or like a, an understanding but I think there's a lot more that can be kind of looked at so we're definitely going to put a pin on that because again it's not like news are going to stop around this at all but I love what you mentioned there and it really made me think a lot especially there's two things first of all i want to piggyback because we want to highlight this in like big red marks the fact the support on instagram and facebook obviously the whole shenanigans but is really poor compared to most of other platforms and not to be said like you know with millions of users i understand that for social is a lot harder to actually um kind of keep track of things but then there's also something to be said about when they wanted to put new ads on you can you can talk to an ad specialist, but when you want to talk about the fact that I don't know that you were locked out of your account for like a week, it's impossible to get hold of a human being. You know, there's something to be said there about the frustration, especially for some people that use Instagram generally to make a living. If I put my prediction hat on, I think there was a bit of prediction hat on Becca as well. We're not sure which hat it was, but I would say prediction was in there. I can see this is speculation, but I can definitely see Instagram starting to kind of understand which audience they really want to focus on and because of all the things they've been doing i can see them being okay we need to tap on creators just like tiktok is doing we got the subscriptions we got the badges for live we got the tips you know all these things that are more and more developing we got the reels bonus creator fund that has been talked of so i can see them be okay well we are genuinely if we are generally going after tiktok then probably we're also kind of figuring out which audience and which uh, subset we want to focus on mainly. And from just the, the features alone, I can see that being, okay, creators is the one over anybody else. Like they gave brands a couple of tools, there are a couple of things like that, but I can see creators being the ones that can benefit most from the platform, then they're going to stay there because what they want to do is actually monetize it now that they have grown it or they've established it. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I genuinely don't know. But as you mentioned, there have been a couple of tests of different features, including the one that you mentioned for Reels. There have been a lot more um, little tweaks for Reels, like 90-second Reels, other little features to help you with choosing sounds. The Instagram has been testing a lot to really make Reels a really good full suite of editing and, and videos kind of easy to reshare. So I can see that I have no problems because I do enjoy doing Reels. But literally my shifting content is now 80% reels, 20% cash. It just is. Maybe one to two posts a week, probably a photo dump in there, and then many reels. I don't mind doing that, but it might not be for everyone. And I think some people are kind of coming to that reality now and they're like, oh, what am I supposed to do now? So I think you're onto something. As you said, it could be that we're going to try and create something that kind of then Meta can go, this is what Instagram is for. This is who is it for. This is what it's about now. And then, as you say, maybe, uh, was it like foot off the gas and then looking more at the metaverse and really trying to develop that. Is it good? Is it bad? I genuinely don't know, Becca. I genuinely don't know. <laughs> I think we'll have to wait and see. 
it's gonna be a, a roller coaster this year <laughs> this is gonna where i want where i would like to leave us today there are other things that will be worth mentioning maybe but i kind of feel like for today i don't want to rush too much there's other things about safety and about how the like like things they're going to be looking at and i think it will be worth a while when it comes to that maybe looking at how different platforms are actually now handling uh different ways we manage content and you know security and safety for users because i think that's this big conversation to be had that and i think we give you a lot today to think about a, a lot of strong feelings by the way um Sorry, team, but there's been a lot of things happening and we care about you and we want to make sure that you um, that you know what's going on and also that you can understand kind of what are some of the things that are changing and maybe start thinking, okay, if that is really happening, what does that mean for me, for my brand, for my clients or for whoever? It's not all bad, but I feel that with 2020, 2021, there was a lot of changes, things to try and all the platforms realized that they had to do big shifts to still be relevant. And I think now is almost like a time where a lot of platforms are like, okay, we've tried to talk to everyone. Now let's focus on our super users. Who are they? And how can we tailor a bit more to that specific audience? And if the other ones are kind of getting lost along the way, eh, it's not ideal, but as harsh as it sounds, that's kind of how I'm seeing it today. So if you have any strong thoughts like us, please let us know. As always, you can spread the love and let us know if there's anything else that also you've seen coming up that is interesting or you want, to, want us to talk about at Altmark School on Twitter or Alt Marketing School on Instagram. You can find me at Fab Giovanetti as well, everywhere on social. What about yourself, Becca? You can find me at Becca Social on all of the platforms. Thank you so much for listening. Head to altmarketingschool.com to find out more about topics that we covered in this week's class. If you want to make your teachers happy, then hop onto iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Oh, and don't forget to spread the love on Instagram at Alt Marketing School. Until next time.